There's a point in Abraham's life where he's in between Bethel and a place called Ai. Now, if you read the book of Joshua, if you read the book of Joshua, that little city Ai will stand out to you in conjunction with the story about Jericho. But this is 400 and something years before that event. And Abraham, it says he pitched his tents between Bethel and Ai. Bethel is the house of God. Ai translates as a place of ruins, a place that at one time was built up and was destroyed in ruins. And basically the symbolism, and again, we'll go through in the teaching is, that that's where we are right now. We're in between, we're, we're leaving the place of destruction of our past and we're heading more and more towards the house of God, towards Bethel, amen? But it says this, that God prospered him step by step in stages. And that's where people get discouraged sometimes. Very rarely, very rarely does God ever take you in a big leap from here to there. It's stages. It's steps. Very rarely. I've seen it happen from time to time, but it's rare that, that God will send you a shopping bag full of cash. Okay? It rarely happens that way. Now, I wish it did all the time, but there are times when it happens, but that's rare. That's rare. It's always in stages. Why? Because the Lord wants us to learn things in stages. When you get something for nothing and it happens too quick, you don't place any value on it. You listening? So, my desire as a pastor is to see every person that calls this place home. I would like to see every Christian, but every Christian is not my responsibility. My responsibility are the sheep of this pasture. Okay? Now, I would like to speak a word and pray over individuals who desire to walk in that anointing of prosperity. Now, some people are afraid of it. Some people don't understand it, but it it carries responsibility. But it is an anointing from God, and it's available to whosoever wants to receive it. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go home tonight and you're going to find a shopping bag full of cash on your front step. It may happen. Just make sure you pay your time. But I know there are people that God has assigned to the body of Christ just for that reason, especially in this last days, because there's an urgency to get the gospel out as much as possible, as quick as possible, to as many people as possible, and you can't do that without funds. Now, the fun thing, fun thing that that happens on that journey is you get to enjoy the blessings that God puts on you, and then the extra goes to preaching the gospel. So, I've, I, I don't know that I've ever been done this before. If I have, it's been many, many years, many, many years. Do you feel like that's you? Now, listen to me. Responsibility comes with us. Because God does, God does not assign that kind of prosperity and wealth to individuals who, who are not willing to be taught and not willing to walk through some things. Okay, but if that's you, get out of your seat, come up here. I want to pray over you. And listen, it's got to be for the kingdom. It's got to be for the glory of God. It can't be for just you because you want to buy X amount of homes, drive a $100,000 car. It's got to be for the kingdom.
Anybody else? Well, I don't believe the pastor's doing this. Stay where you're at. But then don't get jealous of the people that get blessed. Matthew, you need to be up here. Got to be faithful. Come on, move up, move up, move up. Hallelujah. Highly favored. Positioned for influence to make a difference in people's lives. Now listen to me. I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you have not up to this point, not, not, not pointing fingers at anybody, but if you have not up to this point been a generous person, you better pray that God developed that, that in you because you can't. Without, without you being generous, God's not going to pour into you. He doesn't pour into clogged pipes. He pours into clear pipes. He pours into those that he can use as a conduit to get it. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. You listening to me? Be willing to learn the lessons. Now, I hope to God there's nobody up here saying, well, I'm going to quit my job and sit home now because God's going to just prosper me. No, no, no. Don't be stupid, okay? Don't do stuff like that. In fact, if anything, God's going to give you more opportunities. Okay, listen to me. There are some of you here tonight that are going to have opportunities for investments. Now, watch this now. I come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. I come against false opportunities. I come against opportunities that the enemy try to come to bring destruction. We bind that. We tie that up in the name of Jesus. It will not go any further. And we loose the genuine. The genuine. Isaiah 48, 17 says he teaches us to profit. Okay? The kingdom of God operates by increase. I, I hope to God nobody's getting offended out there. You better go read your Bibles because if you read your Bibles when it comes to this, you won't get offended. You get excited. Okay, God is always into increase. There is nobody in the word of God that was worse off after they met the Lord than they were before. So well, what about Job? Well, what about Job? Did you read the whole book? Double At the end, he got double what he started out with. Okay, his kids missed out, but he couldn't control that. They had their own lives. They had their own relationships with God. Okay, he's for increase. Look, the universe is still increasing today. As we're standing here tonight, the universe is still expanding. It's still increasing. Amen? Amen. And God is not, he, he, he loves profit. Now, that profit isn't always in money. It's in souls. It's in, it's in uh, nations. It's in helping people. But you remember when Jesus fed the, 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 the multitudes with the fish and the bread, okay? He fed 15,000 people with a, with a happy meal. All right, but what did he do after it was done? He sent them out. Go get the, go get the scraps. He doesn't waste anything. He's a good steward. Amen? Yes. All right, put your hands up to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over every single person that's standing up here tonight. Father God, I pray that you would teach every single one of us how to prosper that you would teach us your principles, Father God, that you would give every single person that's standing up here right now 
that yet you would grant unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they would know what the hope of your calling is. Father, I pray that you would birth on the inside. Holy Spirit, birth on the inside every single person here right now. The desire, the desire to be able to meet needs of others. The desire to become even more generous than what they've been in the past. The desire, Father God, to operate in your godly kingdom principles that would cause prosperity to come into their households. Father, we expect to hear reports in the future, Lord God. Thank you. You delight in the prosperity of your servants. You're not withholding anything from us, Father God. You are very willing, Lord, to deposit, to to release resources, God, that are going to bring glory unto you, Father. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, the anointing to prosper upon each and every one, Father. Not for greediness, not for materialism, but to further the kingdom of God, to bless the lives of those in their their sphere of influence. Father, that the love of God that's been shed abroad in their hearts would come forth and affect the lives of thousands. I bless you. Father, your word says in the Old Testament, the book of Job, that we shall decree a thing and that you would establish it. And Father, I pray that it be established in the hearts and in the lives of every individual, no matter how young, no matter how old, Father God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, just stay here for a second. I'm going to give you homework to do. I want you, when you go home tonight, to go and look at the parable of the talents and go and read that. Now, having received this word spoken over you, having received this prayer, go and read the parable of talents. And I pray that God gives you wisdom and God gives you revelation in that. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can go. Justin, stay here. Yolanda, stay here for a second. I've, I've been feeling this on the inside. I'm like, Lord, when am I supposed to, when am I supposed to? God's doing something in his heart. And if he's doing something in his heart, it's going to affect you too because God doesn't call just, God calls families. He calls a husband and wife together. He calls a team. Um, I'm almost hesitant to speak this because I'm afraid you're going to run with it ahead of time. You're in transition. You're in transition. I don't know exactly how it's going to manifest. I don't know when. But man, you stepped over something. And it's happened fairly recently. But God's been preparing you for this for a long time. Um, He's placed a heart of compassion in you like it's rarely seen in individuals. Patience in the two of you like is rarely seen in individuals. Your heart for people to help them is just exemplary. And I don't say this to blow you up in front of everybody. I I, I mean, I've always known certain things, but it's different now. It's almost like it went from theory to fact, and, and I'm just so blessed to see what God's gonna, how this is going to work out in the future. But I keep hearing that word, transition, 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 transition. So just pray along those lines. I'd be praying for you. I, 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 I would ask everybody here that's here tonight, whenever the Lord puts Justin and Javon on your heart, pray about this transition. Amen?
God bless you guys. Amen. All right. Um, all right. I can do this if you guys will, like, let me. I could preach this quick. It's a good message. It's a, it's a message about the nature of God, and we forget about this sometimes. You know, so, so many times we as Christians get so caught up in everything that's going on in our lives, our lives, our lives. Hey, what are you here? How are you doing? Oh, if you only knew how things were going. Oh, the devil's after me. Oh, I'm going from one crisis to another. Stop it. Don't talk like that. Please, uh, do yourself a favor. Don't talk like that. Matthew, uh, come and sit up here so you're not distracted. Are you with him? Okay, come and sit up here. The hand of the Lord is on this young man also. So listen to me. I hope you're not embarrassed. You're not, not embarrassed. I'm trying to invest in you. I know when you sit in the back, it's very easy to get distracted. Who's sneezing? Who's coughing? Who's getting up and go down to the bathroom? Um, so sit, sit closer to the front when you come, okay? Um, praise God. All right, so. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, whenever the Bible talks about, when it refers to man, it's talking about mankind. So mankind is made up of two sexes and only two. Go ahead, you can giggle. And only two. So let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In verse 27, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. All right, I'm going to stick with my notes, okay? So, some people would say that God can identify as both mothers and fathers. People will say, well, you know, you see a, a mother's side of God, you see a father's side of God. No, 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 you got it backwards. <clears throat> that nature comes from God himself. We didn't create him in our image. He created us in his image. Are you listening to me? Both together present to us the various facets of God's nature. Think about this. You're talking about the nature of a father, nature of a mother. But both together make up God because it originates with God. God loves us when no one else will. Usually only a mother or father will do that. He'll be there when no one else will. Usually only a mother and father will do that. Amen? He's never too busy to help those in need, and he always has time for us. When one of his children is hurt, he picks them up and holds them. He's more than a mother, more than a father, more than a friend. He is the God of all compassion. In fact, it's one of his Hebrew titles, El Racham, the God of compassion. Isaiah 49, verse 13, shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord comforts his people, comforts, and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Verse 14, but Zion said, Zion referring to Jerusalem, but also refers to the church. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. You know, it's, it's terrible when a Christian says stuff like that. Those words are inspired from the enemy. 
It's impossible. I'll tell you why, because verse 15 exists. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, and he's talking to the city of Jerusalem. But he's also speaking to us. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. God wants to see his children blessed, prosperous, and having all that they need. Why? Why? Because when we prosper, then we have the resources to meet the needs of other people who are not there yet. And that's the heavy responsibility. That's that's, That's what is so disgraceful about our worldly system. You know, people in the world prosper on the surface, but it never brings glory to God. Nobody's ever helped from it. Hungry, still go hungry. The naked, still go naked. The homeless, still go homeless. While, while, while the Benjamins keep stacking up. That doesn't bring any glory to God. God wants to see his children blessed because when, when we're blessed, we have what it takes. Blessed emotionally, blessed spiritually, blessed financially, blessed with peace, blessed with the recognition of the love of God being in our hearts so that we can touch the lives of people that are hurt and wounded. So Genesis 28, verse 3, blessing of God. May God Almighty, and I'll come back to that word Almighty, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. Here it is. There's the increase. May God Almighty... Now, that word almighty, if we were reading this in original language, it would read this way. May El Shaddai bless you. Say that word, Shaddai. 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 May El Shaddai bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. Now, when Jacob, the patriarch, gathered his sons together to bless them, this is how he blessed them. Genesis 49, 25. May the El Shaddai, may the almighty... who will bless you with the blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts, in original Hebrew, and of the womb. It's interesting, because this word Shaddai, the L points to the power of God himself. Hebrew commentators state that Shaddai is actually two words. Shaddai is connected to the word Shaddaim, which in Hebrew is the word for breasts in the sense of nurturing and nourishing. And thus, this, when it's connected, it's connected to the notion that God is, gives gifts of fertility to the human race. And that end there, that last part of it, die, shaddai, refers to, it's really the word for enough or sufficient or sufficiency. He is the El Shaddai, the all-powerful nurturer, who's more than enough for us. Now, until you see God that way, you can't expect to receive from him. You have to see him as a source of blessing. God is not, God does not exist to crush you. God is not our enemy. He's our father. And any good father wants to see his children blessed. 
Now, that desire that a father has to see his children blessed didn't originate with the father. It originates with the father. Now, let me throw some other words here at you. Jehovah Jireh. Okay? Really, we, we say it's the Lord will provide, but really, really in its root, what it really comes, to, comes across clearer in Hebrew is the Lord hath seen. Some translations render it the Lord will provide. Now, I remember many years ago, I looked this up, and one Latin version of the Bible rendered that name in, in Latin as Dominus Videt. Of course, you know, you're probably, we're speaking Latin today. All day, you probably, you know, read Latin. Of course, nobody does anymore. And I would probably say thank God because it's a difficult language. But it, it was translated from Greek to Latin with this understanding. Dominos vidit. The Lord sees. He sees. He is the one who sees. We're going to find out he's the one who hears. We're going to find out he's one who knows. And because he sees, and because he hears, and because he knows, he provides. Amen. You got to see him that way. One translation, or it could be translated from Latin and Greek, the Lord who sees ahead and makes provision available at an appointed time. Do we not, do we not know that God is all-powerful? Yes. Do we not know that God is all-knowing? Okay, if God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, has all the resources, and if he doesn't have it, he'll make it. Okay. Don't you think he knows what you need? Now, let me take it one step further. Don't you think he knows what you need when you need it? What kind of God would he be if he's, oh, man, that one snuck up on me? I didn't realize Matthew was going to need a new pair of sneakers. Well, snuck up on him. No, God knows because he's seen, he's heard, he knows, and he's very much aware of the time frame in your life and my life. Are you, are you getting this? Yes. Now, watch this now. Maybe this will maybe clarify it a little bit more. When Abraham was challenged by God to sacrifice his son Isaac, he obeyed immediately. He obeyed immediately. That's a whole other teaching. Because you got people in the body of Christ, oh, the Lord's been dealing with me for years about this. Years. The Lord's been dealing with me for years about this thing and that thing. Years? I'd be ashamed to say that. God speaks to Abraham about sacrificing this son that he's been waiting for 25 years. And he obeys immediately. Immediately. He didn't have to gather six people around and pray, hey, what do you get in your spirit? What do you think I should do? He obeyed immediately. And when they came to the place where God had instructed Abraham, he placed his son on a stack of wood, Raised his knife, ready to plunge it into that young man's chest. And he was stopped by the voice of an angel from heaven. And when Abraham looked up, he saw a ram. Picture this, picture this, picture this. He saw a ram with its horns caught in a thorny bush. And he recognized that the Lord had provided the sacrifice. That's symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ with the crown of thorns on his head the required sacrifice. God had seen ahead and provided a ram for the sacrifice. And as Abraham, what? Picture it this way. As Abraham's coming up this side of the mountain, the ram is coming up the other side of the mountain and gets there at the right time. 
wandering around, minding his own business, all of a sudden got his head stuck in the thorn bush, just in time for Abraham to look up and see. God had seen ahead and provided that ramp. God sees it ahead in your life, and he's got a ram on the way. Hey, I'm in need right now. I'm in need right now. He, he's got a ram on the way. Now, now watch this now. A whole other teaching. Don't want to get into it. We'll teach it some other time. If Abraham was not obedient to God immediately, timing is everything. Timing is everything. And so another, another one of God's titles, we're talking about the nature of God tonight, is El Roi, the God who sees is also the God who's always there, omnipresent, always aware, omniscient. There's nothing that escapes his attention. Nothing. You may think you may go through life. You may be sitting here right now going, I, I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff going on in my life right now, and I don't feel like God's aware of any of it. Oh, no, he, he's very much aware. But my, my question to you would be, have you invited him into that situation. You know, sometimes people think God acts like the devil. The devil barge in on your life. God doesn't barge in on your life. He's love. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit will come when you ask him. But he's not, he doesn't invade anybody's life. He doesn't put you up against the wall and say, if you don't obey me, I'm going to send you to hell. He gives us the choice. So Genesis chapter 16. You learning anything tonight? Genesis Genesis chapter 16 is about a woman named Hagar. Hagar is Abraham's wife's servant. She's she's her her, uh, maid, if you want to put it that way. And she conceives a child by Abraham. Say, oh my God, is this a scandal? Sarah has been barren her whole life up until this point. Hasn't been able to conceive. So the custom of that day permitted a woman in Sarah's place to give to her husband her maidservant and say, take my maidservant and bear a child through her. Now that child would be considered Sarah and Abraham's. In fact, the custom was when it was time for this servant to give birth or anyone in that position to give birth, she would actually sit on the lap of her mistress, of of Abraham's wife, when she's giving birth, symbolically as if Sarah was giving birth herself. Now, it comes to the point now where she conceives this child, and uh, the pregnancy is, is full on, and now Sarah becomes very jealous because you can imagine that Hagar would try to rub it in Sarah's face, like, hey, you've been barren all these years, and now I've been with your husband, and now... I've conceived a child here, so I'm better than you are. We pick up in Genesis chapter 16. We're talking about the nature of God. We're talking about the God who sees, the God who hears, the God who knows. No problem in your life escapes his attention. Verse 5, Genesis 16. Then Sarai, because her name hasn't been changed yet by God. Then Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord's judgment, the Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do as you please. 
That's a nice way of saying, hey, this was your idea. I didn't go looking for this. This was your idea. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she, Hagar, fled from her presence. Now, verse 7, here it comes. Here it comes. Now, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. Next verse. And he, the angel of the, the angel, not an angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. And in the Old Testament, when it refers to the angel of the Lord, it is the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, before he's born in Bethlehem. Because you realize Jesus always existed, right? Amen. Always was, always is, always will be. Okay? So here he is. We, what, what we term this uh, pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said to Hagar, Sarah's maid, I love this. Where have you come from and where are you going? In other words, did you think about this? Where are you going? She's got all the cards in her hand. Where are you going? Where have you come from and where are you going? Have you assessed your situation? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarah. Don't, don't you know that he knew that? Sometimes God will, God will put us in those positions to like step back and reassess the situation in our lives so that we would be open to his dealing with us so that we don't make these mistakes again in the future. She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Next verse. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress. I'm sure she didn't want to hear that. And look at that next word. That, and, and what? And what? Go ahead and say it. I know it's a tough one in our generation. Go ahead and say And what? Submit. In other words, put yourself under her. Submission is ranking yourself under someone more important or more high or more whatever in a different position, okay? And submit yourself under her hand. And the angel of the Lord said to her, now watch this now, watch this now, watch this now. I don't want to go too fast on this. I don't want you to miss this. He challenges her, go back. I know she's tough. Go back and submit yourself under her. Now, God never asks you to do something without an incentive. You listening to me? He never asks us to do anything without incentive. He created us. He knows how we operate. Okay? He said, and what? Here's the incentive. Go back. I know it's tough. But watch this. I will multiply your descendants exceedingly. In other words, go back and submit yourself. I'm going to bless you. You're going to see increase. You're going to see results from this. It's going to be a little tough. You're going to suffer a little bit. But in the long run, you're going to be way ahead. I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they should not be counted for multitude. Do you know who her descendants are? Okay, okay. She gives birth, okay. Now, the angel Lord shows up again in the future. Uh, oh, no, wait a minute. Maybe it's right here. Yeah, there it is, okay. And the angel Lord said to behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. Ishmael. Say that with me. Ishmael. Ishmael. God hears. Okay? Prayer that's said every day, multiple times in the day. Shammai, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Hero Israel. The Lord our God is one. The Lord is God. Okay? That's where that word, that's where that name comes from. Now watch this now. There's only been a handful of people who've received a name before the child was born. So there's something very special about this child. 
And you shall call his name Shmael, because the Lord has heard her what? Affliction. Come on, guys. He sees. He hears. He knows. There's nothing that's going on in your life right now that he's not made aware of. But are you bringing it to him? She's trying to run away. He gives the opportunity. What do you want to do about this? Do you want want to come out of this ahead, or do you want to just suffer? You know, there's going to be times in life that we're going to suffer, yes or no? I don't mind the suffering if I'm going to come out on the other side with a trophy or something, a plaque, a certificate, something that that I gave some knowledge from this ordeal. Yes or no? I don't want to go through something and come out empty-handed on the other side. At least let me learn a life lesson. He says, I'm going to bless them. Now, Ishmael is the older son of Abraham. Now, it's not Sarah's son. He's Hagar's, the mother, but Abraham's the father. Abraham is extremely wealthy, extremely influential. But this is not the one through who the Messiah is going to come. And he says, I'm going to multiply your descendants They'll be called a multitude. Okay. So then Isaac comes on the scene, and through Isaac, the covenant is established and comes down from generation to generation to us today. But he didn't forget about Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of all the Arab nations. You act like that's inconsequential. They have become a multitude. They control a very large portion of the wealth of the entire world. Jesus said to go back and submit yourself. I'm going to take care of you. Now, later on, God shows Abram, look, Ishmael, I'll take care of. But this is not the son of promise. This is not the one who's going to inherit the covenant. Separate, separate promise. I'm going to take care of them. But unfortunately, what happened is, as the family grew, descendants upon descendants upon descendants, Ishmael's descendants became a major problem to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God never planned it that way. It wasn't supposed to be that way. Now, the day will come in the future that the branches will come back together again, and they will both go and worship the Lord in Jerusalem. But it ain't today. It's in the future. But watch this now. And there, verse 13. And there, she, who's she? Hagar, the one who's in a desperate situation. Are you getting this? Are you, are you getting, the one who's in a desperate situation. The one who's running away from her mistress. The one who's like, I'd rather go die in the desert than to put up with her. Okay. She receives this revelation of the God who sees, the God who hears, and the God who knows. And she says, and she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? In other words, she realized, I have come face to face with God. You listening? El Roi, the ever-present God who sees, saw her in a most desperate state, had mercy on her, lifted her up, and directed her into her next season. 
next season. You listening to me? God sees us, and listen to me, the time's running out. God sees us in the worst of times in order to lead us into the best of times. You, you got to grab that. Because listen to me. I know what it's like from personal experience to get to the place where you have no expectation for good anymore. When you suffer loss and you suffer cataclysmic loss, you can, you're, you can be tempted to start thinking there's nothing good to look forward to anymore. Thirty-some-odd years ago, my wife and I had to sign off on everything. Houses, business, cars, everything gone. Bankruptcy, shot. Now, I was tempted to go in that direction. Like, thank God, I was only in my 30s. Was it 31, 32? Something like that. And it was amazing because when the temptation comes to try to give up hope and, and, and say, I'll never recover from this, what came out of me was, I'm done building my kingdom. I'm going to spend the rest of my life building his kingdom. Amen. I remember sitting at the kitchen table in our house. In fact, Pastor Cap was, Pastor Cap was there, Pastor Pam was there. Of course, they weren't pastors. That, neither was I. But I remember saying to them, I can't live long enough to recover everything. We had a bunch of stuff. Amen? We had a bunch of stuff. Okay, 30 some odd years ago, when you went into bankruptcy for almost a million dollars, that was big money. Today, it's like, but 30 something years ago, that was big money. And I was tempted to give up hope. But God, it was like God went, oh, no, 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 no. You don't let those words come out of your mouth. I'm going to twist them. And in the desperation, took me and showed me and launched me into the next season of life. I said, I can't live long enough to recover everything that we lost. So I'm going to spend the rest of my life building his kingdom. And when you, when you do that, when you spend the rest of your life building his kingdom, guess what? You get to enjoy the ride. You get to enjoy the ride. He saw her at her worst, but he gave her hope for the future. Jeremiah 29, 11, we're going to stop there. Very, very familiar portion of scripture. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to the nation of Israel, who is in a very desperate situation. Jerusalem has been destroyed. The temple's been destroyed. They've been deported to a, the other side of the world as far as they were concerned. Yet God told them, Pray for the welfare of the city that I bring you to. Pray. You're going to be there for a little while. Got to teach you some lessons. I'm going to bring you back. And in the middle of this judgment, this is what God says to the people of Israel. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans to what? Plans to prosper you. If any of you have been religiously brainwashed, please go read the scriptures for what they say. God is always into prospering. Amen. Why? Because poverty and lack and everything else came when sin came into the world. Why would he endure something that sin brought into the world? 
If anything, he's going to bring everything that's opposite of what curse brought into the world. Okay? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Now, now I always love this last part here. I, I challenge you to go read this. And go, go, go look it up in original language. Plans to give you a hope in the future, that's good. But in the original language, it says this. Plans to give you hope and connect you to your future. That's a big difference. Hagar, Hagar was desperate. She's hopeless. She said, I can't live with this lady anymore. She's making life hell for me. I, I, I'd rather, rather go live in the desert than to put up with the aggravation. And she's on her way out. But watch this now. For Abraham's sake, God's, God intervenes in the situation. And what does he do? He finds her in her most desperate situation where she's hopeless and connects her to what? Her future. What's going on in your life? What desperate situation do you find yourself in? Don't give up hope. He sees, he hears, and he knows. He's got a plan already. Well, I can't see it. You don't need to see it. It's not your plan. It's his plan. If he shows it to you, you're going to mess it up. You're going to get in and try to make it work yourself. It doesn't work that way. All you do is say yes. It's his job to bring it to pass. Are you getting, are you listening to, it's his job to bring, it's not your job to bring it to pass. It's your job to just show up and say yes. He's got plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and connect you to your future. Are you listening? I hope you got something out of tonight. I feel like we went in a bunch of different directions, but I feel like we accomplished what we're supposed to. Amen? Stand up. Father, we acknowledge tonight that you're the God who sees, the God who hears, and the God who knows. And Father, we acknowledge tonight that you see and you provide for an appointed time. Lord, I pray for every person that's in here tonight that they would grasp the reality of this revelation of who you are. You're not a faraway God. You're not an ignorant God. You're not a selfish God. You love us and you loved us so much you sent your son Jesus to this earth. Born of a virgin. Born a little baby, just like all of us, into this earth with one mission in mind, to sacrifice himself so that our sins could be washed and cleansed and that we could come back in relationship with you, Father. And we're so grateful for that. Lord, I pray that you continue to give revelation to those that are here tonight. The Holy Spirit, that you will continue to teach us, continue to reveal to us the goodness of our Father in heaven. That when tragedy comes, when hardship comes, when difficulties come, when attacks come, Father, we won't collapse. We will remind ourselves that you are El Shaddai that you are Jehovah Jireh, that you are El Roi, the one who's always with us, the one who sees and knows and hears. Now we take comfort in that, Father. We welcome your plans for our lives. We welcome your comfort, your compassion. 
We welcome your resources and your provision, Father. And we just thank you for who you are, Lord God. And Father, we declare tonight, Lord, if you never did another thing for us, we're so grateful, so grateful. For all of eternity, Father, we'll say thank you for the salvation that you brought us into, Lord. We honor you tonight, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.